0: Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Today we get to hear a story about re about sickness to health from the impossible to the possible. How many of you have experienced sickness before? So, this is something we can relate to, right? It's an easy connection point. In fact, many of us have experienced some kind of sickness. I don't know if we can jump totally into a sickness that has lasted for decades, though some of you may know someone that has experienced that, that they have received some kind of sickness that has not gone away and that they continually have to deal with it day in and day out. Maybe it goes into remission and then it comes back. I know I have a good friend. Her name is Rachel Hayes. She was Diagnosed about two years ago with MS. And so even though she's in what they would say kind of a remission, the thought of it's always there. What if it comes back? She almost went blind. In fact, for a period of time she was. So that thought is there. The fear is there. And I think any of us can relate to the fear of being physically sick. And so perhaps today when we listen to the story, we'll be able to jump into the shoes a little bit of this guy who we'll learn about. Because we can attach ourselves to the physical a lot more easily than we can to some of the other things, right? If you can touch it, if you can see it, it seems real. When we start talking about spiritual things, it's harder. Because you can't see it, you can't touch it. Even when you talk about the emotional realm, it's hard to totally see or relate, because you can't touch it. You can't always see it. Sometimes it's buried. But physical stuff, you can't hide. It's just there. So today, as we get into connecting to the physical, from sickness to health, let's listen to this story.
1: Do you want to be healed? The man said, Yes, but when I see the stirring of the waters, someone always gets into the pool before me. Jesus said, Stand up, pick up your bedroll, and walk. Immediately the man was healed and got up. Jesus slipped away into the crowd as the man was picking up his bedroll. Some of the Jewish leaders saw the man carrying his bedroll. They said, how dare you? This is Sabbath. It's not legal to carry bedrolls on the Sabbath. The man said, but, but, a man healed me and then told me to pick up my bedroll and go home. Who told you to do this work on a Sabbath? I don't know. He healed me and then disappeared into the crowd. Later, Jesus saw this man in the temple. The Lord said, you've been healed, but you must stop sinning. If you don't, something worse will happen to you. The man now knew who had healed him. So he rushed to the Jewish leaders and told them that it was Jesus. Hearing this made them more determined to end the influence. Jesus had. They felt his actions on the Sabbath were totally unacceptable. Jesus said to them, my father works Sabbath, so I will too. Hearing this, the leaders started talking about killing him. They said, he breaks the rules about the Sabbath. Now he calls God his father. He thinks he's equal with God. Jesus said, the son only does what the father tells him to do. The father loves the son and gives him power so he can give life to anyone he wants the father has made the son the judge of people if you don't honor the son you are not honoring the father who sent him i'll give you eternal life to those who hear me and believe on him who sent me those who believe will not be judged but have passed from death how do you know if I'm telling you the truth? I've told you, but that's not good enough because I'm talking about myself. You heard John the Baptist talk about me, but you don't believe him. The father spoke about me, but you closed your ears to him. My miracles show that I'm telling the truth, but you don't accept them as proof. You study the scriptures constantly. They talk about me but you turn your eyes away from those scriptures. The truth is, you are just not willing to come to me and have life.
0: So to set the scene, here's a picture of what it would have looked like, the pool, during the day of Jesus. So there would have been a colonnade around the two pools and the porches that people would have sat under or would have waited And looked, anticipating perhaps their own healing. So in John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Now, if I ever make it to the Holy Land, I would love to just walk by this particular place because in 1888 they actually uncovered this. So they know that this pool exists and they know exactly where it existed. And you can go and see it. It won't look like the picture. It won't have a colony around it anymore. It kind of is more like a. just a hole. With some bricks. But if I would go there. I would want to just kind of sit next to it. And daydream just a little bit. What would it have been like? What, what would it have been like to be there that day. When that guy who was lame for 38 years was trying to get into the pool. There were probably maybe a 100 or more people that were sick, crowded around, waiting. And as the story said, there was kind of this possible belief. We're not totally sure. It was actually a later manuscript that was added into Scripture that they believed an angel would touch the pool and stir it. So we're not totally sure whether that was... Really, or if that was a later addition. But they believe something. Because 100 people don't come around a pool just to sit there if they don't think there's some kind of hope and healing. So as I imagine this, I think about, so if you were there, you'd have all these sick people. You probably wouldn't necessarily go there unless you were feeling sick. And what would I be hoping for? Was this an actual thing that would happen or was this just a real cruel rumor? That all these people surrounded this pool, did anyone ever get healed? Or did they just come here day after day hoping, hoping in this pool? But this guy, who was lame for over 38 years, he made it to the pool because he knew that that was his hope, or at least that's what he believed in. And you have to think about him being lame. He crawled to get there. Maybe he had friends. Who knows how long it took him to get there? He was persistent. He believed so much in this pool that he took every risk possible to be there. Now, a lot of this is just me thinking about the setting of the story because we don't get all of these details. Some of it is speculation. Some of it is just common sense. But it set yourself into the story. Here's a guy who's lame. I wonder how many other people were as sick or even sicker than him, hoping they could get into the pool first to think of the powers that they could experience in that moment when they went from sickness to health or on the verge of death to life. As I sit in that story, I think about, what about the jealousy? Could you imagine? You're sick. This other guy's sick. They can move faster than you. The pool stirs. They get in first. You miss out. And that was the first time you've ever seen the water stir. You've been going there for years. Man, you'd be jealous. I think I'd be mad. i would probably be mad at the person that got healed if they got healed. Then I thought about how upset would you be if you were the one who actually made it to the pool and you jumped in first. But you didn't get healed. And the last time it was stirred, the person that jumped in got healed. How mad would I be? And the jealousy of the people that would be around me. It really sets the story and depicts what probably was going on around that poolside. It wasn't people helping people. It was everyone out for themselves. So this last week I was sick. Some of you know that because you heard me talk. And really last Sunday all I was doing was I was going to make it through. I was here to make sure that everyone knew that their pastor was here. I had planned on preaching that morning. In fact, I woke up that morning after I told Wynn, you might have to preach tomorrow because I don't have a voice today. But with my positive attitude, I thought for sure I would get my voice back and I would feel fine to preach. And in the morning, I woke up and I said, can I talk? And I heard my voice and I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. Within fifteen and I told I texted Win right away saying, I think I got it. Within fifteen minutes I was texting him back going, I don't have it. Actually I called him. <laughs> I said, Can you even understand me? <laughs> I can't do this this morning. I got it from my daughter, and it was probably the worst sickness I've had in maybe 15 plus years. The last time I remember being this sick, I just recently got engaged to Sarah. It had nothing to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) We went to her grandparents' house, had nothing to do with that either, for Christmas. And I had some kind of sinus infection. I could not, we had to play games. And again, all I was trying to do is just make it through it. I had a fever. We went down to the lake for New Year's Eve, and I was like, awesome. (laughs) Can we go back home? And I was like, you're going to have to take me to the hospital. It was my worst self, but she still married me. My pool during last week was medications. So I'm going to offer a confession this morning. When I started getting sick, I had already taken Breezy to the doctor. I felt my glands growing a little bit, but I was like, "Uh, it's nothing. There's a lot of pollen in the air. I had taken her to the doctor. We got her medication. She was starting her medication. And by Thursday, I was going, I think I might be getting sick, but I won't be sick. And then by Friday, I knew I was sick, and I was like, I have to, I need the medication. And I thought, I really don't like going to the doctor, so I'll just start taking hers. (laughs) And then we will call her doctor, who doesn't know her because this was just, we went to a urgent care. And we'll say she lost it because she is in middle school. And then we'll have enough for both of us. And I won't to go to the doctor. I did not do that. But I was this close. The only thing that stopped me is I knew I'd have to tell my wife, and she would go, Aaron. But my pool was, if I can just get the medication, then I'll be done with this. The sad thing was, as soon as I did actually go to the doctor and get the medication, they told me, oh, in 48 hours, you won't have any symptoms. You'll be fine. But that didn't occur. So I kept going back to the medication, even up until this last week on Thursday. I was thinking, I may have to go to the freaking doctor again. So I I emailed him, and he said everything was good. So just so you know. Everything's good. But I'm focusing on a medication. And it's a real tightrope that we walk in faith and life. Between the physical and spiritual. Because there were times that I was obviously praying, Lord, just heal me. Or Lord, give me the strength to get through this. Or make sure that I can get this done, even though I don't like doing anything. But there are other times that I was totally not thinking about Jesus at all, being a part of this, and I was only focused on the medication. When I think about being at the side of the pool, what would I have been like at that poolside? What uh, what would I have been last week when I was sick? Only move it back a few thousand years. And I'm there and the lame man is there and a bunch of other people. I would have jumped over him. I would have jumped over him because I would have looked at him and said, that's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) You've been lame for 38 years. The pool is going to heal this, but not that. I would have jumped in and I would have been mad if I didn't get healed. probably would have jumped in front of anybody that was there because I'd be focusing in on me. Everything would have been about how I feel at the time or what I needed to get done. I don't know if I would have been able to notice anybody around me. As I kept wondering about the story, in the middle of it, if I would have been beat to the pool, I would have started complaining how I wasted my day, how I came to this stupid pool to get healed, which I did do with the doctor after 48 hours, that I wasted my time going to the doctor because the stupid medication isn't working. I would have done the same thing at the pool. I would have been complaining that I am not healed. I wouldn't have been giving thanks for anybody else that would have been healed. I would have been complaining about me and how I feel and how my life is hard and how I need to get these things done and I got to be healed. That's where my focus would be. And then I started thinking about Jesus coming into the story. And Jesus talking to the lame man and saying, hey, do you want to be healed? The lame man going, oh, I I don't think I can be. Would I have been like, pick me, pick me? I mean, I wouldn't have been able to say that. I wouldn't have been like, pick me. You know, that's what you would have done. Because you would have been like, well, loser, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Or would I have said, after the lame man was healed, Oh, he's just faking it. No one gets healed by Jesus just saying, pick up your mat. Would I not have believed that the power wouldn't come from the pool, but would come from a man? Would I have been so blinded to what was happening to me that I wouldn't see the scene around me? And I'd probably whisper to someone, I can't believe people come fake their sickness just to show a little thing. And that person would probably whisper back to me, there's no way this guy could fake it because you can't fake something for 38 years. Why would you do that? Why would you crawl around for 38 years just for this one moment? And the credit would go to this guy, Jesus. And then I'd watch this guy pick up his mat and leave. Jesus would leave, and the scene would be over. And at that time, would I still be thinking about me? I probably would be. That the guy that healed the one guy is now left, and I'm not healed. I'm still sick. And I thought about the rest of the people that were at that pool that day. Where was their mindset? Where was their focus? Would I have been able to see that Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy showing that he was the Messiah? Or would I have been lost in myself? When the focus is only on me, myself in a lot of trouble. When the focus is only on me, I can get myself in a lot of trouble. See, we see the rebirth of this one man from sickness to health. And everyone at the pool had a chance. Whether they were healed or not, they got to see the kingdom of God open up that day before everyone. And in that moment, they got the invitation to jump into that kingdom. The Pharisees couldn't see this because their only focus was on their rules. And most of the rules, especially this one rule, was a rule that had no basis in Scripture. It was a rule that they just made up, as a lot of their other rules were. But because that was where they saw their hope, their focus stayed there. Just like for the people who were sick, their hope was the pool. So their focus stayed at the pool. Just like our focus sometimes can be messed up. I wonder how many were jealous that it wasn't them who were healed that day. Why didn't Jesus pick me? What made this guy who was lame the guy that was chosen to represent what the... Why couldn't I have been that person? What happens with us in our life, you don't have to have a lame guy, you don't have to have a healing, is that we get so busy with the things that are around us that we miss experiencing Jesus. And the very moment that he does something spectacular, we miss it. Or at least I do. Is anybody with me? Do you miss it? Do you focus on yourself a lot? I have to remind myself not to focus on me. Did you just hear that? I have to remind myself, stop focusing on you. The world doesn't revolve around you, Aaron. Sometimes I have good people that remind me of that. What happens focused on the pool? When we focus on the pool, we put our faith in something that's other than Jesus. We look for hope in something that cannot give us any hope. We put everything we got into something that will only get a part of what we really need. We try to fix what is broken by hoping and investing in stuff that doesn't deliver. Have you ever done that? Invested in something that doesn't deliver? Or hoped in something that doesn't deliver? I think we do that all the time when we begin to have this dream. That we believe is from the Lord, which it could be. The only problem is, is that we think we have to have it right now. And we don't realize that He can prepare us to receive it. We think we need it right now, and we think we're ready for it right now. But He knows better. And we're unable to put our trust into that on the wrong thing. We may say things like, if you can give me that new job, I'll feel better about myself. If you could make sure that my child would do the right thing, then their life would be okay. If I'm in the right school, it would be just perfect. If you could give me a couple thousand to pay off some of these debts my life would be great. We focus on all the things other than Jesus and see more to offer than just a physical healing. The other thing is that we do, we focus on our problems. All of us have probably heard this said before. Jesus can't help you with that one. Have you said that before? someone comes to you and they're like oh man this is such a mess well none of you would say that because you're good church people I've thought it a lot of times like well Jesus isn't helping you with that one you're on your own you made that mess sometimes we focus on that the problem is just too big and it's silly to pray about Sometimes we look at the problem and we say, there's no way if I don't do this that God will do this. We focus on our problems. We go, oh, I can't ever get to this point, so there's no way that the Lord will ever help me past it. We act as if if I don't do enough, the Lord isn't going to help. So like the guy at the pool, if he couldn't get there fast enough, there was no healing offered to him. That was his mindset. He couldn't make it there first. So he wasn't going to be healed. How often do we operate that we look at ourself and our problems and we go, my big, if I can't do this, then God's not going to do it. So maybe I am addicted to alcohol. If I can't put the alcohol down for a week, then he's not going to heal me. If I don't get into the right program because I have a really bad problem, no healing offered. How often do we focus so much on our problems and forget that God is much bigger than the worst mess that we can get into? Or we focus on a problem and then we tell the Lord about it, but we also tell him how to fix it. So I can imagine the lame guy at the pool saying, Lord, if you would have just made me faster, I would be healed. So we'll say it like this, the Lord will fix your marriage if you treat your wife right. He'll fix it if you do this. Or the Lord is going to fix your finances if you live within your means. Now, those sound like good things, wouldn't you say? But we always add on, right? If you do this, the Lord will do this. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Lord does not operate on how we operate. Thank God. We think he does. Well, if I do this, really reward me with something else. And if I do this really bad, he's going to punish me. Well, that's kind of where we end up with this guy, right? Jesus says to him in verse 14, after he meets up with him in the temple, but afterward Jesus found him in the temple and told him, well, so stop saying, or something even worse may happen to you. Now, when you read this verse on surface level, you go, Well, what you just said doesn't make sense, Pastor, because that's what Jesus is saying. You do something, and he's going to strike you. Let's live with that mentality. How many of you live with that mentality? If you do something bad, God's going to punish you? Just raise your hand if you really believe it. You know why you believe that? Because you don't know the Lord well enough. Oh, that hurt, didn't it? Well, guess what? I believe it. Many times, I go through, ooh, I'm going to get punished for that one. The Lord's going to do something. It's going to be embarrassing. It's just not going to be good. He's got to punish me for that one. I had a bad thought about Ken. Oh, man. (laughs) But I had a bad thought about the Lord, and he will punish me for that. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we operate, right? But Jesus isn't saying that to this man. Because Jesus isn't controlling me with our physical well-being. When we look at this scripture, this is not saying if you do something, if this guy said a lie in the temple or whatever, we go into the mindset that Something worse than being paranoid. I mean, I used to have these conversations with my friends when I was a kid on the worst way to die. Like, I don't want to be stabbed. And if I am stabbed, I want to be stabbed right through the heart so it's quick. Not like around the heart or something. Because that would take too long. Or I definitely don't want to be drowned, right? Or I don't want to be like, in a tight space and stuck and suffocate. I mean, we come up with all these scenarios. We're, we, I, I'm weird. I mean, that's we just did this. Because we think about what could be the worst that happen to you. So if I did something, what is the worst thing God can do to me? But that is not the character of our Father who gives us good things. Jesus says, This in Matthew, don't be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. He states he's not as concerned about your body as he is about your soul because the whole reason why he came to this earth is that there would be a restoration of your broken body already. God is looking for the time to restore what is broken. But to do that, he has to have your spirit to make you whole. He says, And what goes into your mouth does not defile you, but what comes out of your mouth, that is what defiles you. This man who was healed, Jesus is trying to... Confirm in him that that healing was not just about his body, actually experiencing Jesus for the first time. It was about experiencing what life looks like when it's not just about your body. What does life look like when you begin walking with Jesus? What does life look like when you can stop focusing and start seeing things around you? He's saying, and this happens to us often, is this man, if you step into this story again, he's lame for 38 years and then he's healed. He can walk around for the first time. What do we do or what do you do the first few months out of the house of your parents when you were free? Who wants to confess? No one wants to confess. I mean, I would confess, but I've already confessed that I'm a pretty bad person, so I'm going to stop right there. We, when freedom is given, we don't make the right choices all the time. And this lame guy, he has the freedom to move around, jump, do whatever, and Jesus is saying, don't lose focus because you could lose focus on me. And what I love about the story is that it ends by him stating who healed him. He wasn't just a healed guy anymore. He was a healed guy by the hand of Jesus. He testifies. Today's story is about us losing focus and how easy it is. Whether it's because you have a physical ailment or emotional ailment or it's more importantly, you're spiritual. Because what I've seen with people is that so often when we start to distance ourselves away or lose focus on Jesus it has less to do with our physical being or our emotional well-being. It starts with our spiritual well-being. That we forget that we can trust the one who that's what Jesus was saying to this guy. My healing for you was just a small part of what I'm offering you. So don't lose it. Too often Jesus and forget that what he is offering is much bigger than what we can already see. Who healed me this last week? Jesus healed me. Did I take medication? Yes. Did he use the medication? Prepare. Does it mean I should not go to the doctor and just pray to Jesus? No, he put doctors on this earth. He created that person for that time to work through medicine. So I give thanks for, it wasn't even a doctor who gave me medicine. It was a physician. He put her there for that. And I had a moment where I got to encourage her in her profession. Not a lot of speaking, but I got to encourage her. And those are the moments that Jesus shows up. So we can focus only on ourselves. But in this story, may we see that Jesus is wanting to heal us. And the invitation is to be with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we think here today that You are present, that You desire to touch our lives, that You speak to us, whether it's through a healing, or it is through reading Your Word, or it is through word from someone who loves us who represents you, whether it's from a child who says a remarkable thing that can only be explained that Jesus is in them. Lord, we pray that you would remind us to not lose focus on you. You continue to work in our lives. May we be encouraged and may our eyes be open wide to what you are doing. I pray that you would not allow us to be one of the people at the poolside that would be so focused on ourselves that we would not even see that you appeared. Or that we because I got healed and not me. But instead we would see the Messiah. You walk into our lives every day, Lord, because you have promised that you would be with us. My prayer for us as a community this week that we would see you operating, not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people of this world. And that we would be given hearts that rejoice when good things happen to people. And that we attribute it to you. All good things come from you. And Lord, as people are discouraged, I pray that we would be willing to stand with them and remind them of who you are. And when people are sick, physically sick, that we pray for them. We would remind them too of your character and your desire to not just save the body, but to save the soul. May we have an invitation to be in a relationship with you that goes beyond just how we feel, that goes beyond just what we think. believe. So Lord, help our unbelief as we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.